0: ministry of pastor j eberly get ready to be empowered through the understanding of god's word i want to go to the book of first samuel and uh, i want to go to the 17th chapter i got something in my heart god's put in there for tonight i believe it's a word for you it's blessed me but uh, i believe it's something god has for you i want to share with you lessons in faith from a giant killer How many of you like the story of David in the Old Testament? And so I want to start reading back in... uh, I'll just kind of summarize some of this. Uh, Remember David was, if you go back to the 16th chapter and the 13th verse, God sent Samuel to his house and God anointed him to be king. He was uh, in line to be king after Saul. Saul was uh, rejected because of rebellion. And then the Bible says the uh, Spirit of the Lord in verse 14, I'm back in chapter 16 here, the Spirit of God departed from Saul and uh, they asked ask for somebody to come and play because Saul would get oppressed. And so David was skillful and he was uh, playing on the instrument had the anointing and he would play. And so they said, well, we know this man named David. He's a good player and the Spirit of God is with him. So they went and got David and brought him down to King Saul so that he could minister to him, playing on the harp, minister. You know, music has a way of ministering. Yeah. Music shouldn't just be, you know... Uh, uh, entertainment. That's all the world knows about it. It should be, it should be ministry. Yeah. And David ministered under that anointing and, and that anointing would come on him to play and it would bring soothing to Saul and he would be well, it said. That just simply meant the vexation that he was experiencing from the evil spirit would depart from him. And then we find that uh, in chapter 17, the Philistines gathered together against Judah, And uh, they set the battle in array. And then, you know, they were going to fight. But remember, then Goliath came out. And he started challenging the entire army by saying, that's that's not all fight. Let's just have one man against me from your side fighting me. And whoever wins, you know, we'll we'll serve you if you win. You serve us if if, uh, we win, if Goliath wins, you know. And so, you know, if you read this whole account, you'll find, let's start reading over here. In verse number uh, fifteen, David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. The Amplified says he went back and forth. In other words, he was going down to minister to Saul, but then he'd come back and he would feed the sheep. He's in a transition period, <laughs> you know. But um, anyway, it says in verse number sixteen that the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. So this didn't just happen a day or two, 40 days. That's, that's a month and 10 days. He kept going out there every day, said, come on, send me a man and we'll fight. And, uh, there was nobody in Israel that was bold enough. Nobody had the confidence to go out and fight him. And so, you know, David Um, was sent down by his father, Jesse, to check up on the battle, see how it was going. And it talks about how he got there and we'll skip a lot of verses. He asked about what's going on here and, and, uh, and somebody told him, well, this man's wanting somebody to challenge him. And, and, uh, he said, well, what's the King Saul going to give to the man who fights this battle? And you find down there in verse number 25, um, that uh, the, the king would make this, whoever fought and killed Goliath, the king would make him rich with great riches, give him his daughter. and that's, In other words, he'd be in line for the throne and make his father's house free in Israel. That means free of taxes and free of serving in things like military and things like that. So that was a pretty good deal. And David uh, asked about this and he started saying, well, why is nobody going? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He called him an uncircumcised Philistine. He didn't ever, you read the whole account, he never called him a giant. Big and bad. Well, David never saw him big. He ever, because, you know, these guys were comparing all the David's, uh, all the warriors there in Judah were comparing Goliath to themselves. But if you read the whole account, David never called him a giant. And whenever he did refer to him, he said, you're nothing compared to my God. So he didn't compare him to, David didn't compare Goliath to himself. He compared Goliath to God. And you know, when you do that, you get the right perspective on whatever you're going through. Well, so and so so such a big problem in my life. Well, how are they bigger than God? Well, you can just compare them to God and you get get things into perspective. Faith doesn't look at at itself. Faith doesn't just keep looking at how, how little my faith is or how little I am or whatever. Faith looks at how big God is. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, just keep your eyes on God. DON'T EVEN KEEP YOUR EYES ON PEOPLE THAT ARE WALKING WITH GOD. I MEAN, THEY CAN BE AN ENCOURAGEMENT, BUT KEEP YOUR EYES ON GOD. AMEN. I USED TO SAY, YOU KNOW, well, I'M JUST GOING TO MINISTER TO THE ONES THAT ARE WALKING WITH GOD. YOU KNOW, THE PEOPLE THAT COME to, AND ARE HUNGRY FOR GOD AND ARE WALKING WITH GOD, AND I'M JUST GOING TO KEEP MY FOCUS ON THEM. AND THE LORD SAID TO ME, WHY DON'T YOU JUST KEEP YOUR FOCUS ON ME? AMEN. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I, never, I, I HAVEN'T BEEN DISCOURAGED SINCE. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so then, uh, you know, Eliab, David's oldest brother, he's getting in a fuss with him saying, you're just down here checking out and want a, you want a front row seat to the battle. And um, who'd you leave those sheep with? You know, he's, he's messing with him. Then it says in verse 31, when the words that David spoke, because David kept saying, well, uh, you know, somebody ought to take him on. Um, and uh, so the words that David spoke here in verse 31 were heard, which he spoke, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Well, if you read the account of the other warriors, their hearts, see, they go for 40 days, they're watching this giant come out and, and challenge them. And, you know, he's probably uh, trash talking, you know. Yeah. He's, he's talking about, he's, you know what trash talk is? Yeah. He's just talking about, how weak they are and messing with them. And, you know, he's, Goliath has been a warrior. You find this out when David was talking to Saul here later on. We'll read it where David said, I'll go for it and take him. And Saul said, well, you're just a youth and he's been a warrior from his youth. In other words, he's been a warrior for a long time. So he knows, Goliath knows that 90% of the battle is to get fear in the opponent's hearts. And so he's messing with them and they're listening to him. That's the problem. How many of you know that's a problem? It's one thing for the devil to talk. It's another thing for you to listen. Well, I can hear him. Yeah, there's a difference between hearing and listening. You know, you ever had a child, one of your children heard, but they didn't listen? Let me rephrase that. When you were a kid, did you ever hear, but you didn't listen? Oh, I know better. Don't look at me like that, Merlene. I know better than that. No, we've all heard our moms and dads say, do this, take out the trash, you know, go out there and whatever. But we just didn't, we didn't listen. You know what listen means? Listen means pay attention to it. And so, I mean, these guys are not just hearing, they're listening to this, this challenge, this, this uh, smash talk or whatever you want to call it. And so David though, he's hearing it, but he reminds himself of his covenant. So, and he said, let no man's heart fail because of him. In other words, these, the soldiers around David, their hearts were wilting. Their faith was withering because they were listening to the wrong things. You know, faith comes by hearing, and they've been hearing for 40 days how my God's bigger than your God because Philistine, their Philistine God was the one that he would challenge them by, you know. Well, you know, um, so the devil is, is, is kind of trash-talking. And they're all listening to it, and their hearts are withering. He says, let not your heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Saul said to David, thou art not able to go up this, uh, against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and a man of war. He's a man of war from his youth. David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered him out of the mouth, out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. See he's not just talking about uh, uh or talking against the armies, he's talking against God. In fact, we'll read that later here. And so he's defied the armies of the living God. Now David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed. You know, you can tell where you're at in faith by what, how you talk about your circumstances. Oh, they're big. David with his armor, he put an helmet of brass upon his head, he uh, armed him with a coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon his armor, to assay, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it, or he tried to go, but he hadn't approved, uh, proved it out. In other words, he hadn't been used to this armor. Besides that, remember, King Saul was real large. He's a big man. Um, head and shoulders above the rest, the Bible said. And so he's putting on, David's a little, I think most people agree he's probably 17 years old. (laughs) He's got this big man's armor on, probably swallowing him up. So he can't really go with all this. It's all too big. And so the Bible says David put him off and he took his staff in his hand. Verse 40. He took his staff in his hand and closed, or chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script, and his sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now, they say D- Goliath had four brothers. So David got five stones. He was ready for any of them. That's what they say. We, we, they, they say he had four brothers. So it says here that in verse 41, Philistine came and drew near unto David and the, man, and the man that bare his shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth and ruddy and, and, and of a fair countenance. In other words, he hadn't even started shaving yet. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. Verse 43, the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that you come to me with staves? Or uh, uh, sticks, that means. The Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowl of the air and to the beast of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. See, he's talking against not only Israel, he's talking against their God, talking against Jehovah. And so David said, You you messed up. (laughs) You messed up. You started defying God. You're not just talking to a man here. You, you, you touched the Almighty. You spoke against the one who's all-powerful. He said, I come to you in his name, the one you defied. This day, now here's a 17-year-old kid talking. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. I will smite thee and take thy head from thee. I will give the carcass... Uh, uh, will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air. He's telling, I'm taking on the whole army. How on earth is a little kid going to do that? Let's keep reading. To the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. See, his motives weren't for fame or anything. He, was, he wanted God to get the glory. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. So David's not shaking here. He's going towards the, the, the Philistine ran towards him but David took off running in the direction of the Philistine. He's not afraid, is he? David put his hand in his bag and took thence stone and slang it, smote the Philistine in the forehead, that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell to his face, uh, fell uh, upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him and cut off his head thereof. And, with the Philist- and, and when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. <laughs> and the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until, they, uh, until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sheriam, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistine and the, uh, they spoiled their tents. In other words, they gathered up everything they left behind. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem but he put his armor in his tent. So he's holding the head. That's amazing, isn't it? He put the armor in his tent. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as thy soul liveth, O king, I can't tell. In other words, I don't even know. He didn't even register with the army. (laughs) And the king said, inquire thou whose son the stripling is. Now, we'll get to that word eventually. That's an interesting word. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. Look at this. With the head of the Philistine in his hand. He's still got the head of the guy. I mean, he's got an attitude about this. That's right. <laughs> he's got him by the hair, holding the head. And Saul said unto him, Whose son art thou, young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> well, you've heard me say it before, but that's how you get ahead in life. Ahead, You know, that's how you get ahead in life. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Let's let David teach some lessons, some faith lessons, and maybe we can learn from somebody that's a giant killer. Anybody ever had giants stand up in front of you and said, not not this way, you can't come through me. Well, let's learn how to take them. How many of you want to learn something here tonight? You know, if David was here tonight, he'd say, well, you read my story and you might have thought, you know, the battle was with flesh and blood. But he said, really, the real battle was something that you couldn't see. The real battle was what you couldn't see. It was spiritual. THE FIRST LESSON HE WOULD TEACH US, THE the LESSON IN FAITH, HOW TO TAKE YOUR GIANT, IS THAT THE BATTLE WAS REALLY SPIRITUAL, ALTHOUGH IT LOOKED LIKE IT WAS WITH FLESH AND BLOOD. BUT WHAT HE HAD TO DEAL WITH, AN ENCOUNTER, WAS MORE THAN JUST A MAN. BECAUSE REALLY, THE FEAR WAS KEEPING ALL THE REST OF THEM FROM TAKING GOLIATH. IT WASN'T GOLIATH, IT WAS THE FEAR OF GOLIATH. SEE, THEY WEREN'T OUT THERE, NOBODY HAD TRIED TO TAKE HIM, SO IT WASN'T GOLIATH. THE THING THAT WAS KEEPING THEM FROM FIGHTING GOLIATH WAS THE FEAR OF TAKING HIM ON. CAN YOU SAY AMEN? FEAR'S NOT SOMETHING TO TOLERATE, AND, and uh, FEAR IS SOMETHING TO DEAL WITH. IT'S SOMETHING TO FACE HEAD ON. DAVID DIDN'T JUST DRAW BACK. SEE, FEAR DRAWS BACK. BUT FAITH LAUNCHES TOWARDS THE PROBLEM. FEAR WILL DRAW BACK, IT'LL CAUSE YOU TO uh, SHRINK, AND IT'LL CAUSE YOU TO FREEZE, YOU KNOW, IT'LL PARALYZE YOU. BUT YOU MUST LEARN TO FACE FEAR, YOU MUST LEARN TO GO TOWARDS IT, AND YOU MUST LEARN TO OVERCOME IT. WE'RE NOT CALLED TO TOLERATE FEAR. WE'RE NOT CALLED TO LIVE IN FEAR, WE'RE CALLED TO CONQUER IT. WE'RE CALLED TO FACE IT, ATTACK IT, AGGRESSIVELY AND IMMEDIATELY. NONE OF US ARE SUPPOSED TO BE DRAWING BACK FROM FEAR BECAUSE WE'RE NOT OF THEM WHO DRAW BACK UNTO PERDITION, THE BIBLE SAYS. WE'RE OF THEM THAT BELIEVE TO THE SAVING OF THE SOUL. SO IF YOU DON'T LEARN THIS, YOU'LL BECOME WEAK. And if you'll, you'll, if you keep drawing back, there'll always be every time God speaks to you and you start going towards what God says, they'll always, you'll always get slapped with fear, doubt, uh, opposition or or something that's going to come at you in the spiritual realm. It necessarily will not come at you at the, in the natural realm, but it will come at you in the spiritual realm. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, David wanted to fight, um, uh, David wanted to fight with what he had already proven here, because remember Saul wanted him to uh, take his armor. but he wanted to fight with what was already proven, because he knew that what he had already proven worked. Yeah. Now, Saul wanted him to be laden down with natural armor. Yeah. David had already proven an unorthodox method as far as the way the soldiers in that army that day had learned to fight. They had, and Saul had been to the military academy. He had learned about the use of the sword. He had learned about many of the things that the weapons, you know, how to use the weapons that they had. But David's training was not in the natural. David's training was in the spirit. God sitting out on the edge of the uh, the pasture watching the, shepherd, the sheep, God had taught David through his word how to use the weapons that really, ba- that really caused success. Yeah, he had taught him in, in the spirit. He had not taught him in the natural. Now, David, no doubt had a sling and like we know he was good. He probably kept sitting out there, you know, over there's a, a rock right over there. Plunk, I'm going to hit it. Or right over there's a daisy. I'm going to take the top of it off. Soon, take it off. He probably got good with that sling all right. But his real weapon was not that sling. His real weapon was developing in his faith. Developing in an unorthodox way, but a successful way. He was minded not in natural things, but he was trained in spiritual things. Because David said, you know, the reason I'm able to do this, when King said, you can't, when Saul said, you can't do it, David said, no, the reason I can do this is because I was sitting out on the edge of the the pasture watching the sheep and a lion came out. AND, YOU KNOW, HE HAD BEEN MEDITATING. IF YOU READ IN THE BOOK OF PSALM, CHAPTER 1, REMEMBER, DAVID WROTE A LOT OF THE PSALMS. HE SAID, BLESSED IS THE MAN THAT WALKETH NOT IN THE COUNSEL OF THE UNGODLY AND SO FORTH. BUT HE DELIGHTS IN THE LAW OF THE LORD. IN HIS LAW DOES HE MEDITATE DAY AND NIGHT. DAVID HAD DONE THAT. DAVID sat OUT THERE ON THE EDGE OF THAT FIELD, NOT JUST WHITTLING AWAY THE TIME. HE sat OUT THERE FEEDING ON THE WORD OF GOD, POURING IT INTO HIS SPIRIT. And he, whenever the lion came, fear did not keep him from, taking, from, from uh, uh, protecting what belonged to him. He overcame fear because he had been meditating in the covenant and he was more conscious of his rights and privileges in the covenant than he was of fear that caused him to draw back from a, from a predator like a lion or a bear. He was full of faith, not full of fear. And when the lion rose up against him, he grabbed him by the beard and wha- jerked his neck around, popped it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And David said, I did it with the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be the same way. Can you say amen? amen. So he was developed in not natural methods, but he was developed in spiritual laws. He recognized his covenant. He recognized his rights. He was covenant-minded. That's the reason he kept calling him an uncircumcised Philistine. Uncircumcised is a reference to a man without a covenant. That's what that term means. He didn't call him a giant. He called him uncircumcised. He, called him, he said, this man doesn't have a covenant with God. I have a covenant with God. We have rights in, in uh, our covenant. Uh, those who seek to take away our rights are not going to be able to stand if we'll use the weapons of faith and, and authority and the things of the spirit. Amen. 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 So he recognized spiritual laws. He was governed by the, law, the spiritual laws that govern success. He was governed by faith. AND BECAUSE HE WAS GOVERNED BY THOSE LAWS, HE DID NOT, um, he did not RELY ON HIS OWN NATURAL ABILITIES. Amen. AND HE WAS ACTUALLY A SUPERIOR WARRIOR THAN THE WHOLE ARMY OF ISRAEL AND JUDAH. That's right. Amen. HELLO. Amen. HOW MANY OF YOU KNOW FAITH WILL CONQUER THINGS THAT ALL THE PEOPLE THAT HAVE TO ALL THE EDUCATION CAN'T DO? Faith will cause you to win when everybody who has all the training doesn't know what to do. Amen. So he was a superior warrior. His experience was not with, ability of, with his abilities and natural strength. He, he possessed uh, some natural skill, but his experience was with the power of God. His experience was with God's faithfulness. And his experience was with his exercising of his faith. HE PRACTICED IN SPIRITUAL WEAPONS. AMEN. Amen. YOU STILL THERE? HE GOT USED TO THEM. SO MANY OF US ARE USED TO REACHING UP INTO OUR MIND FOR SOME KIND OF NATURAL WEAPON, AND WE'RE USED TO THAT, AND WE'RE NOT SKILLED WHENEVER THE ENEMY COMES AND SAYS, BOO. WE'RE NOT SKILLED IN REACHING DOWN IN OUR SPIRIT AND TAKING THE SWORD OF THE SPIRIT, SOMETHING SPIRITUAL, AND SAYING, IT IS WRITTEN, AND CUTTING HIS HEAD OFF. WE'RE NOT EXPERIENCING THAT BECAUSE WE'RE USED TO REACHING UP INTO OUR MIND AND LOOKING FOR SOMETHING IN THE NATURAL OR SOME KIND OF SKILL, AND WE COME UP EMPTY-HANDED. Yes. AMEN. WE'RE LOOKING FOR NATURAL WEAPONS. BUT SEE, PRACTICE. DON'T JUST WAIT UNTIL YOU GET a, YOU MEET A GIANT. PRACTICE. THERE'S ANOTHER LESSON THAT THE GIANT KILLER, IF HE WAS HERE TONIGHT, WOULD SHARE. HE'D SAY, DON'T WAIT FOR THE GIANT TO SHOW UP. PRACTICE ON THE LION. PRACTICE ON THE BEAR. He'd say, take opportunities to believe God for a meal. Take opportunities to believe God for extra job or, or something, you know. Use your faith. Begin to exercise yourself. Amen. 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 All through the Bible, how many of you noticed that when God would tell them to go to battle so many times, He'd give them very unorthodox methods. Like Jericho, He told them to go around there seven times or, or six days, or one time each day, and then the seventh day seven times. And, and you know, then shout, you know, woo, blow the trumpet and shout. Well, what kind of an unorthodox method is that? But see, what God was training them in was following His lead, following the Spirit, and using their faith, not in their ability, but putting their faith in God. And they did that, and they won the victory. Then God tells Gideon, I want you to go fight, what was it, I think the uh, Philistines or whoever it was. And uh, Gideon had a big army, and God said, that's too many. AND HE KEPT WHITTLING THEM DOWN till THEY GOT DOWN TO 300 PEOPLE. AND GOD TOLD him SOME VERY UNORTHODOX WAYS OF DOING IT. HE TOLD THEM TO LIGHT FIRE AND PUT IT IN THESE THINGS AND THEN YOU GO OUT THERE AND THEN YOU BREAK THE, the PITCHER and, AND YOU BLOW THE TRUMPET AND uh, YOU'LL WIN THE VICTORY. Yeah. AND THERE WAS A HUGE ARMY OUT THERE. 300 GUYS yeah. DID THAT AND THEY DID WHAT GOD SAID, BROKE THE PITCHER AND... Uh, and shouted or whatever they did, sounded the trumpet and they won the victory. The Amalekites started, I think it was the Amalekites, started defeating each other. What kind of an unorthodox way is that? You know, really what it is is God's telling them to put their faith in Him and just do what I tell you to do and don't try to figure it all out and don't depend, get this, don't depend on your natural abilities. And besides that, on top of that, whenever you do it in an unorthodox way or however God tells you, he's going to get all the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, remember over here in verse number 51 in 1 Samuel 17, notice it said the very last statement, when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Now, I'm just going to read to you Hebrews 11, verse number 34. Notice it said they fled. Let's see what they were fleeing from. Hebrews eleven thirty four. 34, he said, Through faith men quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And notice he said they did that through faith. Yes. Now how did David turn to flight the arm, an entire army? One 17-year-old kid. Yeah. HASN'T STARTED SHAVING YET. <laughs> I'M TAKING YOUR HEAD OFF TODAY. PROBABLY does not even HAVE A BIG CHEST YET. YOU KNOW, HE'S PROBABLY LIKE... <laughs> <laughs> YOU KNOW WHAT I'M TALKING ABOUT? I MEAN, HE'S OUT THERE AND HE'S TALKING, HE'S TALKING TRASH TALK TO THE GOLIATH. AND NOT ONLY DID HE SAY HE WAS GOING TO TAKE GOLIATH'S HEAD OFF, HE SAID IN VERSE 46, HE'S GOING TO FEED THE carcasses OF THE ENTIRE HOST OF THE PHILISTINES TO THE FOWLS OF THE AIR how on earth did one 17 year old kid take the whole army out through faith? Oh my goodness. Look what faith can do. Somebody said, I can't do that. Right. But take God at his word and start talking it and start moving the direction and start speaking the word of God and don't let the fear get on the inside of you. And you'll be surprised what faith can do that you can't do. You're not called to do a lot of things. You're not able to do a lot of things. God's God's called us to use our faith. Amen. So fear a lot of times causes people to draw back. God's teaching us to face. This is what David would teach us if he was here. A giant killer would teach us faith, faith lessons and he'd say, face your fear. He'd say, deal with it head on. Find out. If you do that you 'll find out it 's nothing but a big bluff yes. you 'll find that it 's just a big talker. The devil will back down fear will back down if you will face it because yes. yes. you know the devil is a blowfish. did you know that? Yes. Yes. I was watching the discovery one ch- channel one time years ago this was, and I saw this documentary about these fish down under the way down in the ocean and for, for the, One of their defense mechanisms is whenever a predator fish comes around, he's about this big, you know, but somehow or another, I guess it's a chemical reaction or something. I don't know where he'd get the air to do it. <laughs> but uh, somehow or another, whenever the predator fish comes around, he goes, and he blows himself way up. Yeah. He, looks a whole, he looks at least twice or three yeah. times bigger than he really is. Right. And the predator fish can't get him in his mouth, so he right. just goes away. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the way the devil is. You, 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 you come along and the devil will start saying something and he'll look big. He'll look, he, he's really not near as powerful as he puts on the front. Jesus took his teeth out. And if you'll speak the word to him, he, he, this big bluff will come down to the shrink, he'll shrink down to the little dude that he really is. Fear will cause you to make wrong decisions. Fear will um, cause you to go in the wrong paths in life. It'll cause you to try to buy or, or, or uh, um, go around something that God said, I want you to go through it. Somebody said, well, I don't want to go through it. Well, then you'll never get to what's on the other side. David had to go through Goliath to get to the throne. Well, I don't want to deal with that. Well, then you're not ready for the next phase. Amen. You got to go through some things. Take their head off. Deal with them. Act like you're in charge rather than, you know, then it's in charge. Hallelujah. Fear is a magnifier. It makes things look big whenever they're really nothing at all. When you compare it or measure it to God. If you don't face fear, you'll get stuck spiritually. I, I've had to deal with things. I've had to face things. Sometimes it's not necessarily fear of you know natural things, but fear of failure, fear of what people are going to think. You know, you know the devil. A lot of people would have started their own business if the fear of failure had not kept them from That's so doing it. Right. That's so right. Somebody said, "Well, what if I fail?" Well. <laughs> You know, first of all, that's just fear. That's, right. that's, really, not, that's really not failure that kept you out because right. you haven't even gotten there yet. That's right. That's right. You haven't failed yet. Yes. It's just the fear of failure that's keeping you out. Yes. Amen. Yes. First Timothy, um, no, excuse me, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says God's not given us a spirit of fear. Yes. You know, one of the translations says intimidation there. He's not given us a spirit of intimidation. The devil is, a, is an intimidator. You have to recognize that intimidations will never come from God. Right. Now, so I've met people that are that are intimidated by somebody else who's confident, yeah. Yeah. but that doesn't mean the confident one was the intimidator. That's right. That's right. That's that good. just meant that there was some insecurity yeah. in the or or intimidation yeah. in the one who yeah, was good. intimidated. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 You can be free from intimidation. That's right. You can be confident. You can hold your head up. Be sure and certain, confident in God and His promises. Amen. Amen. Now, don't think that the feeling of fear equals fear. You can have the feelings of fear, but that doesn't mean you're letting it in. The fear of, uh, I mean, the feelings of fear do not equal fear any more than the feelings of faith equal faith. You know, faith is not a feeling. Neither is fear. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is a spirit. The Bible said God's not given us a spirit of fear. And the real issue is it trying to get on the inside of you. It can be hounding your mind with thoughts, but that doesn't mean you're letting it in, your spirit, and you're speaking to the thoughts. You're resisting the thoughts. You can have all the feelings and not be in fear. That the psalmist David in the Old Testament said, what time I am, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What he's saying is, whenever I have all the feelings, I'm going to keep them in faith. I'm going to stay in faith. (laughs) Don't let the devil tell you you're in fear just because you have the feelings. Hallelujah. That'll help you right there if you get a hold of that. Um, So let the devil know that, and answer the devil. Don't let him tell you you're in fear whenever you're not accepting it, when you're not receiving it. It can be attacking you. You can have the feelings. Your flesh can, your, even your physical body can have feelings. It can feel the presence of a spirit of fear. You can, I remember, for example, you know, to different measures in my life, fear has attacked me at different points, but i never forget one time that it attacked, one of the greatest attacks of fear I've ever had had nothing to do with anything. Uh, uh, well, it had, I, was, I was riding down a road with a friend of mine on our bikes. We were kids. I don't know, probably probably 15 years old or something like that. And we're riding past this farmhouse. And all of a sudden, a German shepherd came out around the barn. Oh, man, oh, yeah, I was barking. And uh, my friend was first. And, and the dog ran right past him and didn't bite him, but bit my leg, tore my pants and, you know. But, but here's the thing. I talked to my friend later. My friend never got afraid of him. But I never have experienced fear like I experienced that day. I tasted it in my mouth. I felt it in every cell of my being. How many have ever felt that bitter taste or taste that bitter taste comes in your mouth? Do you know that chemical uh, scientists now say that fear actually is when a person is afraid, it opens up their pores and it releases chemicals. And actually they say predators like dogs can smell that and they'll come from where they smell the fear. So I found out later, didn't know it at the time, but it was my fear that attract, caused the other guy to be okay uh, and the dog to come to me rather than him. Because the deer dog went right up to him like he was going to bite him, but he passed him and came to me. And got my leg pretty bad. Mean old dog, yeah, that's a bad dog. But the point is that uh, you can feel fear sometimes. But just because you feel it doesn't mean that it's getting in your spirit. You can say, no, I don't, gi- I don't receive the spirit. God hasn't given me the spirit of fear. Right. Amen. Amen. It's just an attack. It's your job to not let it in. David knew the battle was going to be won with words. And it was going to be won in the spiritual arena and not in the natural arena. David knew that he wasn't a match for Goliath. Naturally, he was going to have to deal with it in the spirit. And by not accepting the fear, David won. By staying in faith, it overcame his inabilities in the natural and made him superior in the spirit. And that 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 uh, that brought him up to and beyond Goliath's natural abilities. <laughs> Hallelujah. The things that faith will do for you are amazing. It'll make you equal to and superior to anything that comes against you. So David knew that the battle was spiritual and the words that he spoke were going to have to be the words of God because those are the only words that give him the victory. So um, he knew that God's words were bigger than anybody's, including Goliaths. And so before the battle actually started, did you notice there? Verse 43 and verse 44? 43, the Philistine said to David. Verse 44, the Philistine said to David. Verse 45, and David said to the Philistine. Yeah. So before the, before the fight, there was a pre-fight warm-up. Yeah. And there was a, an exchange of words. Yes, Isn't that right? So what we find then is you've got to win the warm-up fight. Some people lose before they even get to the fight because they don't stand up to the words, to the intimidation and the spirit that's on them, the fear that's on them. See, it's not okay to just listen because all the rest of the guys were listening and they let it get in. David didn't just listen, he answered. And he won the war of war, words before he won the battle. A lot of people lose the battle before they even get to the fight. But you must win the war of words. Recognize that the real fight is the fight of faith. And the fight of faith is one with words. Oh, I'm preaching better than your amen. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life and have confessed a good confession. That's how you fight the good fight of faith. You lay hold of the truths of God's word and you speak them out of your mouth. And notice David didn't let Goliath have the last word. You need to always have the last word. Hallelujah. So win the war of words. David won the war of words before he beat Goliath. And he was, his words were more current than Goliath's words. He answered Goliath. Amen. Amen. Jesus did the same thing in the wilderness in Luke 4 whenever Satan came and he said, It is written. God, and Jesus said it. I mean, uh, Satan, first of all, didn't say it was written. First of all, he said, Do this. Catch, yeah. You know, uh, cast yourself off a pinnacle and so forth. And Jesus kept answering him. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, in that account, you see, Satan said, Jesus said. Yeah. Satan said, Jesus said. Satan said, Jesus said. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus always answered it. Yes. Yes. Amen. And Jesus was the last one that said anything. Yes. That's right. come so on, he come. had the final word. Amen. Make sure you have the final word. Don't let the devil have the final word. Get a grip on your lip. Amen. Always be the last one on the scene. Always make the devil leave before you leave the scene. And don't just quietly listen to him and try to answer thoughts with thoughts. Open your mouth and answer thoughts with words. You don't fight a mental warfare, you fight with words. Remember, it says in, in Mark 11, it says, uh, Whosoever shall say and not doubt in his heart. Jesus said, Whosoever shall say, do not doubt what he saith, he'll have whatever he saith. Jesus mentioned saying three times and believing once, and that passes the scripture. In other words, you're going to have to say it over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're going to have to answer when the devil talks to you. I'm preaching real good. Yeah. Philemon 6 says that our faith becomes active by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in us in Christ. So, the written Word of God was spoken before it was written, but it was written so it could be spoken. Amen. God wrote it down so you could repeat it after him. David just simply repeated his covenant rights. He quoted what he had been putting in his spirit all those, all those months and years out there on the side of the hill. Amen. So, top. TO THE GIANT. THIS WOULD BE A LESSON DAVID WOULD GIVE US IF HE WAS HERE. HE'D SAY, TALK TO YOUR MOUNTAIN. TALK TO YOUR GIANT. DON'T LET IT TALK, BECAUSE IT'S BEEN TALKING TO YOU. IT'S BEEN TELLING YOU HOW BIG IT IS AND HOW LITTLE YOU ARE AND HOW LITTLE YOUR FAITH IS. IT'S BEEN INTIMIDATING. AND DAVID WOULD SAY, OPEN YOUR MOUTH AND YOU ANSWER IT AND YOU TALK BACK TO IT. THAT'S WHAT DAVID WOULD TELL US. THAT'S WHAT HE DID AND THAT'S HOW HE WANTED and KILL THE GIANT. So he would, tell, he would say, answer your, 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 uh, your doubts. Answer your fears. Talk to them. Talk not to God about them. Talk to them. Talk to the doubts. Talk to the fears. Talk to the wrong words. Answer the doctor's report. Answer the accountant's report. Go home and say the word. Amen. That's what he would tell us. Because it's always trash talking. The devil's always trying to intimidate you and talk to you about how little your faith is. Look at your faith, it's just little. Well, you just tell him if I have faith as a grain of mustard seed, I'd say. I'd say, amen, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And David would say, remind yourself of your past victories. Talk about how God delivered you from the lion and from the bear. Just repeat, rehearse your victories. Go over them again in your mind, think about them. Yeah, I was just a little kid and I remember taking him by the beard and I remember the anointing came on me and... TWISTED HIS HEAD BACKWARDS AND HE WAS LOOKING THE OTHER WAY BY THE TIME HE WAS DONE. (laughs) AMEN. HE WOULD SAY ONE OF THE LESSONS OF FAITH IS LEARNED BY USING THE RIGHT LANGUAGE. USE THE LANGUAGE OF REDEMPTION. TALK THE LANGUAGE OF HEAVEN. HE'D SAY IF YOU'RE GOING TO HAVE THE VICTORY, YOU'RE GOING TO HAVE TO TALK VICTORY. YOU'RE GOING TO HAVE TO TALK BIG EVEN IF YOU DON'T FEEL LIKE IT'S SO. I doubt if he felt anything. He probably felt like running the other direction. You know, in the, uh, in the, uh, I heard this about in Africa, some nations over there heard about Kenya, that they have a, uh, a statement that goes something like this, that English English is the money language. A lot of the countries, you know, are trying to get more modern languages that have all these tribal languages. So they're either learning Spanish or English or something like that. And it's, in, in Africa, it's English, quite a bit of it, it's English. And so there's new generation, they're teaching them all English in school, you know. And they call it the money language. Now, the reason they call it the money language is because, you know, you have a better uh, opportunity for a better job because if you learn English, you know, you get a better job. Uh, You know, you're more valuable in the job market. And so, really, what we find then is is, uh, that's true about the gospel. That's true about the redemption realities. That's the healing language. That's the victory language. That's the language heaven understands. If you're talking some other language, heaven can't... HEAVEN DOESN'T KNOW WHAT YOU'RE TRYING TO SAY. SEE, YOU'RE IN THE KINGDOM OF GOD, BUT YOU'VE GOT TO LEARN THE LANGUAGE OF THE KINGDOM OF GOD. YOU'VE GOT TO LEARN TO TALK RIGHT. ISN'T THAT RIGHT? you GOT TO LEARN TO SPEAK HEAVEN'S LANGUAGE. You know, if I was going to be successful in, in a country in South America, most, I think all of them pretty uh, dominantly are uh, Spanish speaking. I think maybe some of them are Portuguese, or is it, uh, is that the one that's real close to Spanish? I think, I think Brazil is Portuguese, but basically it's close to Spanish here, Juan would know. Um, but if I was going to succeed down there, I'd have to learn the language. I wouldn't be able to operate in the, uh, you know, in all the systems they have. They have all their economic systems like we have. And, you know, I wouldn't be able to operate unless I learned the language. Well, that's the way it is with the things of God. If you want to learn to operate in the power of God, learn heaven's language. And that is the language of faith. Learn the language of calling things that be not as though they are. Learn to talk the Word of God like David did <laughs> whenever he's a little 17-year-old kid facing a giant. Amen. Amen. And each, each uh, you know, uh, each nation has their economic system. They have their health care system. They have their transportation system. They've got their, their financial system and all these systems. That's the way it is in the kingdom of God. God has all these systems, but you have to learn the language of all those systems. Talk the language. Can you say amen? Learn the language of healing. Learn the language of deliverance. Stop saying, I just am so oppressed. Start saying, start saying Colossians chapter number one. He hath delivered us from the authority of darkness. Amen. Amen. Now in Numbers 13, I won't go there for time's sake. Numbers 13, you remember, was whenever Kadesh, uh, the children of Israel came up to Kadesh Barnea and sent in spies. And they came back, ten of them with a bad report, two with a good report. You remember the, the bad report was there are giants in the land. AND WE'RE NOT ABLE TO GO IN BECAUSE OF THE GIANTS. YOU KNOW, THEY'RE WALLED CITIES AND THEY HAVE CHARIOTS OF IRON AND THEY WERE TALKING ABOUT ALL THAT. AND YOU REMEMBER, uh, JOSHUA AND CALEB SAID, WE'RE WELL ABLE TO GO UP AT ONCE AND POSSESS IT. If, IF, YOU KNOW, IF WE DON'T GRIEVE, if WE'D SAY IT THIS WAY TODAY, IF WE DON'T GRIEVE THE SPIRIT HERE RIGHT NOW, GOD WILL BE WITH US AND WE'LL GO IN AND TAKE IT. AND SO, um, REALLY, THEY WERE SAYING, REMEMBER THEY KEPT SAYING, THEY ARE, they are MUCH BIGGER THAN WE ARE. They said, we are grasshoppers in their sight. And he said, so, we're, so we were in their sight, which is really kind of foolish because they were spies. They, didn't, they weren't going in and taking a survey and say, hi, we're, we're representing the nation of Israel. And we're taking a survey because we want to attack. And uh, we're taking a survey. How do you see us compared to you? You, know, you, you just don't do that. But they were quoting what the people, what they thought the people were saying. They said, we are grasshoppers in their sight. Which is probably not, the people probably didn't even know they were going to attack. And if they did, they weren't talking to them about it. Amen. And so really what they were, what they were repeating was what the devil was telling them. The devil was saying, you're weaker than they are. Look at the giants and look at the walled cities and all of that. So um, they said, we can't go in. And you know, that generation didn't. you remember that? They were uh, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and never did go in. The next generation with Joshua and Caleb went in and took it. But the point is this, the giants weren't their biggest obstacle. Their biggest obstacle was um, uh, the fear of the giants was what the giants inspired in them you know you got to be cautious of what what reports that is on the news is inspiring in you what the doctor's saying is inspiring in you you can't let it get in The reason that the giants weren't their biggest obstacle is they never were in battle they never faced the the giants in battle they never they never stood in in battle against them they never fought them or anything and so that, THAT'S PROOF THAT THE GIANTS WEREN'T REALLY WHAT KEPT THEM OUT. ISN'T THAT RIGHT? WHAT KEPT THEM OUT WAS THE FEAR OF FACING THEM. NOW GET THIS, WHAT DEFEATED THEM WAS FEAR. ISN'T THAT RIGHT? OH, SOME OF YOU IS GETTING THIS. THAT WAS WHAT THE GIANTS INSPIRED IN THEM, AND THAT WAS A SPIRITUAL THING, NOT A NATURAL THING. Amen. Amen. Now, look here in verse number 32. He said, uh, David said, let not your heart fail because of him. Yeah. So their, the fear was causing their hearts to wilt. Yeah. Remember I said, I think on Sunday, I mentioned, what was it, Luke 21 26 or something like that, where it says men's hearts failing them for fear. Yeah. That could be heart attacks, physical hearts, but it, I think really the main issue is that men's spirits failing to yeah. produce yeah. Good. because yeah. fear... Will uh, neutralize faith yes. because of fear of looking for all these things that are coming on the earth. He said, "Men's hearts failed to produce." So really, really, David was saying here: these, the, the rest of the army, uh, their hearts kept them from operating in the power of God. The fear that got on the inside of them kept them from operating in that. Can you see that? Yes. So David would say, "Don't listen. Start talking back. Start answering." start talking to the enemy. Isn't that right? Don't let the, the talk make your decisions for you. Don't start reacting to the talk, to the fear. Oh, this will help you. This, you, if you. Rather than just hear a good sermon, if you'll just take this and apply it to your life and start facing some things, it'll change some things for you. Amen. So every battle is spiritual in nature at its core. That's really where the real battle really is. On your own, yes, the giants are bigger than you, but see, you're not going on your own. God told them in Deuteronomy 7, 1 and 2, and Deuteronomy 9, 1 through 3, He told them, you're going up against nations that are greater and mightier than you are. But He said, I'm going with you, and you're going to take them. So God wants you to take things that are much bigger than you, much bigger than your education. You know, I know a lot of people that have a, a lot of PhDs and stuff at the end of their name, DDDs and XYZs <laughs> that aren't making near as much as I am Hello. through the investments and things we're doing. Yeah, yeah. You understand what I'm talking about? Yes, <laughs> no. See, they're relying on their natural ability, but I'm relying on the power of God. Right. Amen. I'm relying on wisdom yeah. from heaven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm taking things that are bigger than I am. Amen. Bigger than my education. Yeah. excuse me while I shout a little bit glory to God amen you're not on your own you're going with him he's on the inside of you greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world so he's strong and you're strong in the power of his might so the key is to tackle the giant of fear immediately and don't let his voice don't give time for his threats to sink into your mind to work in your thought life See, don't wait, don't listen to things for a while and then start dealing with it. It'll start to already get in. So deal with it, face it. Why did Goliath trash talk? He knew this was part of the battle. You gotta, you gotta get your enemy in fear. Now, David called him an uncircumcised Philistine. That's a man without a covenant. You know, um, covenant really um, is something that, is, uh, that this whole thing is based on. You have to know your rights. You have to know your inheritance. You have to know your joint heir with Christ. You have to know what belongs to you and not let, let, let the enemy say what you can have or not. Let, let the covenant tell you what you can have. And when it says you can have something, don't let somebody that's perched on it say you can't. Amen. See, if you have the title deed, which Hebrews says, the Word of God shows us the title deed, and we have faith in the title deed. It's the evidence of things not seen. If you don't see your healing yet, but you have the title deed to it, that's ownership. So what determines ownership is not who's camped on it, it's who has the title deed. And in the kingdom of heaven, there are no such thing as squatter's rights. You know what squatter's rights are? We we lived in Oklahoma for what was 16 years, and we we always heard about the Oklahoma, was that called land rush or whatever that was called, where they all they let let people just take off and go go find some land and squat on it basically, and uh, that was your land if you if you went and squatted on it, but there's no such thing like that in the kingdom of God. Just because the devil ran over there and sat down on your healing doesn't mean it's his. See, Goliath said, not, not, not here. And, uh, and David said, well, I'm going to come for you. And he said, over my dead body. And he said, we can arrange for that too. We'll arrange for that. Praise the Lord. So it's a covenant battle. Know what your rights are. By meditating in it, it'll build faith on the inside of you and cause you to stand up and begin to possess. Amen. You have to practice standing against the enemy. Practice on smaller things standing against the devil trying to rob you of smaller things. Here's another lesson in faith from a giant killer. Practice using your weapons because the weapons of your warfare are not natural. Practice exercising authority in faith. Amen? Faith will take on anything. I love a statement that uh, Mark, I don't know if you know who Mark Hankins is, but he makes this statement. He said, faith will make a tadpole slap a whale. (laughs) Just like, get out of my way. (laughs) Faith just has that in it. Faith will take on things. Just, that's just a, the spirit of faith is a go get it, possess. nothing's too big for my God kind of a spirit. <laughs> faith can take anything, but you might not be skilled in resisting all that's gonna come against you when you slap that whale. You slap that whale, you know what I'm talking about. You slap that whale and he swishes his tail to turn around and face you, that swish is going to create a current that you're not used to. Come on, come on, come on. You're just a little tadpole and that swish is going to take you all the way. You know? And if you're not used to standing in faith whenever the current is just pushing you the opposite direction, then you better practice on some, some little fish or something like that. <laughs> Amen. If you're not used to resisting the trash talk. If you're not used to casting down imaginations. If you're not used to the pressure to quit. You might want to start on something smaller. Amen. And you'll be glad you did because whenever the giant shows up, you'll be ready for him because you were practicing. David was sitting out on the edge of that hill practicing. When the lion came out, he said, I'm taking, this by, I'm taking him by faith. Then the bear, and he was ready for Goliath because he exercised himself. He kept practicing. Amen. Amen. You still there? You're going home. All right. Now, with that in mind, let's just wrap this up. Um, We we recognize because of faith, David would say this also. You're not going to be ready for the throne if you don't confront your Goliath. Your Goliath is the thing that just seems to just stand blocking your way, just standing in your way, trying to keep you from going forward. He said, you're not ready for the throne if you don't. The throne is on the other side of your Goliath. What is it that fear keeps, what, what is it that you keep going up to and fear keeps knocking you back? What is it that keeps, keep, you know, you ever noticed in, in all of our lives, you probably noticed this in your life, I noticed it in my life, uh, you notice there can be cycles if you're not careful. You come up to something and it slaps you back. You come up to it again after you get over that, you say, well, you know, I'm tired of that, I'm not going to, and so you come up to it again and it slaps you back. AND BEFORE YOU KNOW IT, YOU'RE GOING IN CYCLES. Every, EVERY FEW WEEKS OR EVERY FEW MONTHS, YOU'RE JUST GOING UP AND THEN IT INTIMIDATES YOU AND YOU DRAW BACK. Come on, come on. WELL, FAITH SAYS, I'm, not, I'm, I'M TIRED OF THIS CYCLE. Yeah. AND I'M GOING TO DEAL WITH MY GOLIATH. I, yeah. THERE'S SOMETHING ON THE OTHER SIDE OF MY GOLIATH. Yeah. DAVID, FOR DAVID, IT WAS THE THRONE, YOU KNOW. Yeah. AND HE SAID, I'M NOT GETTING THERE BECAUSE THIS THING, this, THIS FEAR KEEPS SLAPPING ME BACK. Yeah. Or whatever it might be. It could be other things in each of our lives. So there's, a, there's something on the other side of your Goliath. And you're going to like what's on the other side of your Goliath. Otherwise, why would Goliath be trash talking so much? Amen. So you must learn to master Goliath if you're going to learn to rule and reign on the throne. You know, David was being prepared to be king in a lot of ways in fact go back here in the uh, 17th chapter remember i said we were going to get back to verse 56 there the king inquired saying who is the son of this whose son is this stripling <laughs> now i looked this word stripling up one time and in the hebrew language it literally means something kept out of sight it refers to a young child who is kept out of sight That's the way, you know, children weren't raised, you know, just involved in all the activities. They were raised, you know, kind of kept out of sight in that culture more. You understand? So that's, but I think it's important that we recognize that David's preparation for reigning is is done in uh, out of sight. He's preparing to take a Goliath on the side of a sheep hill TOTALLY OUT OF SIGHT. SEE, WHAT ARE YOU DOING BEHIND CLOSED DOORS? WHAT ARE YOU DOING WHENEVER THE DOORS ARE CLOSED AND NOBODY'S WATCHING? ARE YOU BEING LAZY, JUST TURNING ON THE the TELEVISION AND VEGGING OUT? WHAT ARE YOU DOING? ARE YOU FEEDING YOUR FAITH? SEE, PEOPLE SEE OUR LIVES ON THE OUTSIDE, BUT SEE, WHAT'S REALLY GOING TO COUNT IS WHETHER WE'VE BEEN PREPARING WHENEVER NOBODY ELSE IS AROUND. BECAUSE THAT'S WHERE GOD GETS YOU READY WHENEVER YOU'RE ALL BY YOURSELF. Uh, hallelujah. So God was getting David ready for the throne on the side of a hill watching sheep. <laughs> he's, he's not just sitting over there relaxing. He's, he's the, the Bible says he would meditate in his law day and night. He got the word of God on the inside of him to the point. See, you might feel like you're sitting in Cedar Rapids out of sight. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I felt that way at times. You know, it's like... OK, God, we're on the back side of the desert here. How <laughs> I many I remember God got, uh, got uh, Moses ready on the back side of the desert. He was totally removed, out of sight. But what he did when he was out of sight determined whether or not he was ready whenever his opportunity came. It's not okay just to be lazy and then just hope God will bring you on. Okay, whenever, whenever his time is, he, he can't do anything if we're just sitting around being lazy when nobody else is watching. Amen. That's good preaching. So God's preparing you for, for reigning by preparing you out of sight when nobody else is watching. Then, and he practiced on the line and bear, and then all of a sudden he got an opportunity in front of everybody. Isn't that right? So God began to move him, and then on the other side of that was his, was his throne. Now, in Joseph's case, if you actually studied Joseph's account, God was preparing him to be number two in the nation of Egypt in, the, in, a, in a dungeon as a prisoner. He was staying faithful to God. He didn't get uh, you know, bitter whenever people treated him wrong. So really, God was preparing him. Remember, he was actually controlling the whole economy of Egypt by the time he was done. He was running all the, uh, remember, seven years of good, good crops was going to be followed by seven years of bad crops. And, and uh, he told the, the interpretation of the dream that the king had. And, and so the king put him in charge of preparing for the seven bad years. So he's running the whole thing. And when it came time for him to run the, the resources of the, ma- the main large nation on the whole planet, he was ready. But where did God get him ready? It wasn't, he didn't even have any money in his hands when God was getting him ready. He was getting him ready in the dungeon. He was getting him ready in a prison cell. So somebody said, well, how did God prepare him to, make, to, to handle money whenever he didn't have any money? Because the real issue is not a money issue. The real issue is a faith issue. He stayed in faith whenever, whenever it looked like what was God had said was going to come to pass or it looked like it wasn't going to come to pass. Amen. It's all about faith. Now, here's another lesson David would say in his lessons of faith. Go back to the book, uh, you're here in the book of 1 Kings the 17th chapter. Go back to the 13th verse of the 16th chapter. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Do you know Samuel went to Ramah? (laughs) Now, in the 16th chapter, I just quoted 1 Samuel 16, 13. That's all before the the rest of the 16th chapter and chapter number 17. Remember, Saul had disobeyed and rebelled. God said, I'm not going to use him as king. I'm going to find me somebody else who will be a man after my own heart. God found David and God uh, sent Samuel down to Jesse's house and God anointed David to be king in Saul's place. Amen. Amen. David would say, here's another lesson in faith. I was anointed to be king, but I fought for my king. UNDER MY KING, I DIDN'T FIGHT FOR THE POSITION OF BEING KING. Amen. IN OTHER WORDS, WHAT GOD HAD CALLED ME TO, I DIDN'T FIGHT FLESH AND BLOOD TO GET THERE. THIS IS A LESSON IN FAITH FOR ALL OF US. ARE YOU STILL THERE? Yes. IN OTHER WORDS, FAITH LETS GOD GET YOU INTO THE RIGHT POSITION THAT GOD WANTS YOU TO BE IN. IT DOESN'T HAVE TO FIGHT OTHER PEOPLE in or- THAT MAYBE AREN'T OBEYING GOD OR WHATEVER IN ORDER TO GET THERE. He was anointed to be king long time before he actually stood in that place. But after he was anointed to be king in chapter 16, verse 14 through 22 or 23, he ministered to his king. He ministered to the one who God said, you're going to replace because his heart's wrong. He served him, ministered to him, played for him so he wouldn't be vexed so much. Um... Hello? This is a lesson in faith. Faith doesn't have to push its way into whatever God's called it to. Faith lets God get us there. Then in chapter 17, faith fought for his king. His own king wasn't going to battle because he was afraid. And David said, I'll go for you. I'll fight for you. So rather than fight the king, he's fighting for him. He's serving him when the king wasn't even right. Well, how much more should we be doing that rather than fighting for the position we think we're supposed to have and maybe eventually God does have a plan for us to have. Why can't we just serve somebody else and let God do the promoting? See, faith. faith David would say, here's a lesson in faith. God promotes. You don't have to fight your way in the, in the position. You don't have to fight for position. You don't have to compete. You don't have to pull somebody else down so you can get up. Amen. He wasn't divisive. David would say, faith doesn't get into strife. Yeah. David would say, faith doesn't try to get my way regardless of how it's going to affect the whole nation. Right. See, that would have created a division in the whole nation, wouldn't it? Have, yeah. And it eventually did because God started doing it in his timing. But then, then God turned everybody toward David. Yeah. But David didn't fight in the flesh for that. Amen. Yeah. He used his faith on behalf of the one he was serving under. HE DIDN'T USE HIS FAITH TO GET HIS POSITION. HE USED HIS FAITH TO SERVE HIM AND LET GOD GIVE HIM THAT POSITION. HE WASN'T REACHING FOR HIS OWN MINISTRY. HE WAS SERVING THE ONE GOD HAD SET HIM UNDER. FAITH WILL KEEP ITS HEART RIGHT AND LET GOD DO THE PROMOTING. Amen. AMEN? HE HAD FAITH TO LET GOD DO THE PROMOTING. SEE, IT TAKES FAITH TO SIT AND LET GOD MOVE YOU INTO SOMETHING THAT HE TOLD YOU IS YOURS you know, unbelief starts fighting flesh and blood and start, you know, competing and and saying, well, that belongs to me and blah, 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 blah. But faith will just let let God do it. Amen. Amen. If you put yourself in a position of promotion, you can be removed. But if God puts you in a place of being promoted, nobody can remove you. Amen. Amen. I found that out. Let God do it and it'll just be permanent. If God puts you there and people start fighting you, then they're fighting God. And that's a whole nother deal. <laughs> and so God just, uh, he, he had anointed David. He called David. He placed, he placed it in David's heart to be king. But God said, no, you just let me. And David just let God move him into that position. And he didn't have to fight the man to get him out. In fact, you remember later on, he had an opportunity to kill Saul. And he said, no, I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to touch you." I'm going to let God do it. And God did it. Amen. Amen. So we don't have to pull each other down in order to crawl on top of each other to get a position or something like that. Did you get anything out of this? King David gave us some lessons tonight in faith. (laughs) Lessons from a giant killer. Let's take some giants of fear. What do you say? I just don't like to be told I can't do something. Especially whenever it's fear that's telling me. Amen. I want, to be, I WANT TO BE SOMEBODY THAT'S KNOCKING THEM DEAD, yeah. CUTTING THINGS OUT that, THAT ARE STANDING IN MY WAY. Yeah. GOD SAID TO THE OLD TESTAMENT PEOPLE, AND IT APPLIES TO US TODAY, NO MAN WILL BE ABLE TO STAND BEFORE YOU ALL THE DAYS OF YOUR LIFE. Right. DON'T THINK THAT A MAN, SOMEBODY SAID, WELL, SO-AND-SO IS NOT OBEYING GOD. YOU STAY IN FAITH. YOU STAY IN FAITH. A MAN CAN'T KEEP YOU FROM GETTING TO WHERE GOD PUT YOU. GOD SAID IT BELONGS TO YOU. Yeah. IF YOU'LL JUST KEEP TRUSTING GOD, doesn't matter what men try to do, God, yeah. God, got, God got the men out of the way in Joseph's case. Yeah. Remember the, the Potiphar's, um, you REMEMBER that guy that yeah. lied yeah. as brothers, yeah. you know, and then the butler and the baker who forgot to tell the king of the yeah. good report? Yeah. Men kept failing, yeah. but Joseph stayed in faith, and God took care of him, and he, God did it in such a way that nobody could say, I put him there. Yeah. Everybody had to say, Look what God did. And nobody's going to be able to take him down because God's the one that put him up there. I like it that way. How many of you like it that way? If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at SOFFC.org or call us at 319 366 2147. Or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church. Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you, and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.